Joining me on the live line is Gerard McClendon. He's an associate professor at Chicago State University in the graduate program in education. Hey, Gerard, how are you? What's up, Perry Small? How you doing? I'm so glad Perry to Small. talk to you. I am so Perry glad Small. to Perry talk. Small. <laughs> Perry Small, you are all I need to get by. You know what? You're the clarion call for the entire Chicago area. And I appreciate you doing this show today. Oh, I, listen, congratulations on your new book, President Thug. Yeah. What, what, when, when, I, when I was in the opening, when I was introducing you, did I get it right about what was happening in terms of education and the fact that people aren't really talking about how this is going to impact the quality of life and whether or not our children are going to be ready uh, to compete in years to come because of what this COVID virus has done to poor black communities and, and right here in Chicago on the south and west sides. Did I get it right? Yes, you got it right, Perry, because this is a local problem, a regional problem, state, national, and a global problem, and nobody took it seriously back in March. I think you had me on the show back then when we talked about e-learning, online learning, remote learning, distance learning, and, you know, I was calling for the shutdown then. I said, you know what, Uh, as bad as people need to have their children in a physical school building, I said, we are in a pandemic. See, this isn't, this is isn't flesh-eating disease. This isn't a common cold. This is a pandemic. Nobody took it seriously. They thought it was just an epidemic. They thought it was just going to be confined to two or three neighborhoods or one or two or, or two or three big cities. Right. Uh-huh. This is a pandemic, which means, you know, pan, which means what? It means global. It right. means it can go across. It can, it's international. It's transcontinental. And the COVID virus if it was taken care of back in March, April, and May, we'd be out of the woods by now. But the United States is such a spoiled country. We're so spoiled here. American we, exceptionalism. Absolutely. We, Perry, people won't even wear a mask. I mean, think about that. Think, think, about, think, think about that. I'm not going to wear a mask because I'm not going to get COVID and I'm not going to spread COVID. It's a pandemic. And, and, and see, it, it frustrates me because even midsummer, like midsummer this year, Perry, I had mentioned, I said, we should not start school until the pandemic is over. It's like, what do you mean don't start school? Don't, the kids have to be in school. The kids can be in school after the pandemic is gone. But you know what? It's December and COVID. Uh, COVID-19 is still here. And kids are not going in this first round of vaccines. Kids aren't getting them. They don't have enough. Right. They don't have enough data to um, be able, you know, a scientific data to say how this is going to work with the kids. Gerard, what is the impact of this pandemic specifically, uh, specifically in poor black and brown communities? What impact is this going to have on our children's future and their education? First thing, if you look at the Tuskegee uh, studies and the Tuskegee experiment, yep, a lot of went on for 40 are, years, went, went on for 40 years. Absolutely. You know, black men with syphilis who were denied, who were denied 
medicine, you know. And so black people are already skeptical of taking a vaccine. That's the first thing. The second thing is the va- everyone's touting these vaccines and these um, these pharmacy companies, and nobody's talking about the side effects. Period. There right. will be people dying from this disease, in from this vaccine in the first round, just like the the polio vaccine years ago, which affected hundreds of thousands of people and it ended up killing ten children. Um, uh, here's the thing. The second thing is. Black folks, we're already three, four years behind in school. A black 12th grader, I'm sorry, yeah, a black 12th grader reads and does math at the level of a white or an Asian 7th or 8th grader. Wow. <laughs> you know, so so now you put COVID on top of that, Perry? And, and now we're going to be in a situation where we're, we may end up being five, six years behind. You talk about leave no child behind, no child left behind, third graders not being able to read. Lord have mercy. If you have a first, second, or third grader in the age of a pandemic, I hope that you know how to homeschool because the bottom line is you're going to have to get on Khan Academy on YouTube and you're going to have to start schooling your child because even next semester, you may not be able to send your child back to school without getting sick. So this is the thing, because, and I want you guys to get in on this conversation, 773-591-1690. I don't know if, if this is a conversation that's being had. Uh, Joe Biden met with, or is meeting, I think, today, the uh, president-elect, with black civil rights leaders. I haven't heard one black civil rights leader come on WBON or or Al Sharpton or any other show that says, what is it that we need to be talking to Joe Biden about? I would think at the top of the list, besides economic development and health care, it is the education of black children in these communities. See, these kids up there in Wicker Park, Rogers Park, they're not going to miss a beat. There have been people, um, teachers, the stories teachers are telling me about what they're experiencing while they're trying to do this e-learning. The fact that, you know, we were horrified to see a girl being sexually molested, doing a sex act on her cousin uh, while she's supposed to be e-learning. Can you imagine the pathologies that are going on at this time and how you this know, is going to traumatize our kids? It's going to be extremely traumatic, Perry. And, you know, besides being one or two grades behind and not knowing when you're going to be in a school again without a mask, you look at technology and how uh, President Trump cut broadband, he cut Wi-Fi, he cut low priced broadband ten dollars a month and he cut and he cut the obama cell phone right he cut all this stuff out and now you expect poor and uh compromised communities to do well and see even with e-learning you got to be careful because parents everyone's saying oh you know the kids can just learn online every child doesn't have a laptop every child doesn't have broadband every child doesn't have Fast internet. It's not about having internet. You got to have internet that can keep up. It has to have the bandwidth to get through the pipes so that you can have, so that you can watch streaming um, um, uh, uh, lectures and streaming 
uh, segments on your computer. But see, this is the other thing, Gerard. The other thing is this. These kids are full of red pop and flaming hot. They're not eating properly. They're not sleeping. They're not going to bed at a decent. They're not even prepared to learn. They're not even prepared to learn. The mothers and fathers are sitting up there smoking blunts over them all day. Yeah. This, yeah. I mean, I mean, it. Come on, let's just admit the things that are happening. The safest place most kids were on the south and west sides every day were in their schools. We'll be in right back. Again. That's right. Yep. Gerard McClendon is our guest. Nine forty nine. Are you concerned about the future of our children who don't have their own rooms? Don't have a desk. Don't have broadband and Wi-Fi. Don't have laptops. Um, our ADHD have been diagnosed ADHD. Can, what third grader do you know that can sit in front of a computer for five hours? And my name is Perry Small, and we're talking to Gerard McClendon. He is an associate professor at Chicago State University uh, in the graduate program of education. And so, um, Gerard, first of all, uh, is is a Chicago State campus open? Kind of. Kind so of. What I'll say. What I'll say is this, without getting in any any trouble here. Okay. Uh, it it looks at there's a large percentage of classes at Chicago State that are online. Okay. Uh, that we we've gone to remote learning. Okay. My classes, for instance, uh, in the Department of Education, are uh, remote. Um, we can do synchronous or asynchronous classes. We can do hybrid. We can do fully online. All right. So, so listen we'll, to this. We'll, so listen to this. So there are adults who are struggling with online um, remote learning, right? Would you agree? Oh, 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 most definitely. I mean, you know, in some in like some labs have to take place actually on campus. And right. so the beauty is Chicago State has done a very, very good and ro- robust job at making the the campus as COVID-free as possible. You know, so, you know, be, when you get on campus, you have to get, you know, go through checks if you're going to be in contact. Right, with people. So right. Things there are going great. But as far as, uh, you're right, adult learners, it's tough. I mean, I've had a few students who, who just checked out. You know, and so with those students, you have to make sure that you call them. You have to make sure that you email them. You have to make sure that you stay in constant contact with them or else they'll tune out and, like, not not come to your class. So imagine you know, what happens. So let's imagine what's happening with our third and fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders and even high school students who are feeling themselves and said, I'm not doing this. So yeah, imagine. So, so, so what's yes, the impact? So, so, so Perry, let me give you some more examples. Okay. Imagine you have a house you have a household with high speed broadband. Let's look at a perfect situation. Your household has high speed broadband, you live on the west side or south side, but you have three children. You have three laptops. That's a perfect situation situation. Three laptops for three children. But your connection speed is still reduced if the classes are at the same time. Let's look at another scenario. If you have three children and one laptop, if the classes aren't staggered, the children have to share the hardware. If you have three children and one laptop, the class times must be staggered. If you have one child and one computer and the rest of the family needs the computer for a Zoom meeting, you know, or for, uh, you know, for other purposes, for searching the internet, now you have to share and split the broadband as well as the hardware, which causes strife within the home. You know, and so it's it's tough. 
It's yep. tough. It's tough. And so the United States got caught. We claim to be, as you mentioned earlier, the land of exceptionalism. Yes. And, you know, we're a first world country. We're looking like a third world country now because, you know what, South Korea got rid of COVID months ago. Oh, yeah, and so did Taiwan. Yeah. Yes, they they shut that thing down. But the United States, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to. I want to be free in the land of the free and the home of the brave. We could have been out of the woods by now. But because you have leadership in this country that did not want people to thrive and wanted to blame the virus on others, and you don't want to take responsibility of what's taking place now, we're still in the situation eight, nine, ten months later. Let's go to Miss Porter. Miss Porter, thank you for your call. Go right ahead. Good morning. Good, Good morning. God bless you. I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Uh, I, was, I just wanted to say uh, something about the Johnson Amendment that separated church and state. Uh, President Trump knocked that down so the churches can have after-school programs in uh, a church, and they, with their 501c3, they can get donations from the Dell Corporation and Microsoft Corporation to supply computers. So every church needs to get together and start after-school programs. So, so let me ask you this, Ms. Porter. Let me Thank ask you, you this. So but hold on, hold on a second, Ms. Porter. Do, are you fearful that our kids are going to fall behind through, through with this pandemic? Did she no, leave? No, because once the church is uh, organized. Oh, good luck with that. That's not going to happen. I'm speaking from, from uh, experience. Yeah. In churches, you have the right. In churches, you have the right to worship, but you don't have the right to. Okay, go right ahead, Gerard. And, and a lot of, and I don't care how I don't care how much Jesus you have in your life. If there's a virus around, it's gonna spread. Right. And if churches don't wear masks, if churches don't have six feet distance, if churches don't have adequate HVAC systems that circulate the air in and out of the building, you cannot worship. That's or right. You cannot have a school within a church. Right. It's, it's not because trust me, the coronavirus doesn't care about how much prayer you have in your life. Trust me. Oh, I believe that. Absolutely. You better be praying for a good doctor. It's an airborne disease. You breathe it in. (laughs) And joining me on the live line is Gerard McClendon. He's an an associate professor at Chicago State University and in the graduate program in education. And he has a new uh, book President Thug, and I'm sure we covered some of the things about what what President Thug is all about because of um, his, the lack of leadership uh, from the White House through a lot of these different states. Uh, we are in the, a pandemic uh, that we might not ever get out of because we're not willing to close down and do what we need to do to make sure that we go back to some semblance of uh, of life as we once knew it. And uh, Gerard, uh, I, like I said, I'm very concerned about the future 
of our children. And before we went to the break, you were saying that some of your students are feeling very challenged uh, doing the remote learning and the hybrid learning and that sort of thing. So if they're having a difficult time, imagine what it's like for kids who can't go outside, can't be with their friends, um, are feeling socially isolated, uh, becoming depressed. Oh, yes, this is a very real thing. Kids are becoming depressed, uh, and people are very worried about their kids. You might not even recognize the signs of depression on, on, on these kids, but maybe you can arrange some Zoom play dates uh, with these kids. And, and, and there's some alternative things. I, I know a lot of these wealthier families have thought of all kinds of ways to make sure that their uh, their children's mental health and, and everything is still good. But hell, we don't even know what um, if, how we're going to eat. There were people in Florida that stood in line for hours for a $250 gift card to buy groceries. And you don't think that's happening on the south and west side of Chicago? People don't know how they're going to feed their children. They don't, um, even though it's illegal, they're still evicting families. So what do you do? How do you teach a child who's in the middle of an eviction? You know, oh, my God, Barry, that's a great question because broadband and cell phones and Zoom and Internet service is is not even the issue when a child is about to be, a child's parents are about to be evicted. You're so right. And when you don't have a government willing to write another stimulus for the American citizens in this country, that becomes problematic. Here's the thing, too, Perry. We're seeing a lack of teacher support. I mean, that's right. Yes. Everyone said, well, we need to have the children back in school. But have you given teachers, first of all, more money? Because now they have to teach in a way that they've never taught before. Uh, What do you do to, to to support teachers in making all assignments accessible, giving them readings, problem sets, giving the students quizzes by creating simple homework modules for navigation. Have you paid the teachers enough to do that? And have you given teachers the equipment That's to do a that? Good, that is modules. a good point. Right, small modules. You you don't teach in three, four, five-hour increments. You may have to teach in 20-minute increments because it may take a child 20 minutes just to get online. So you have to have oh, small gosh. modules to curtail boredom, and you and if you curtail the boredom, it'll lead to more acute learning. You have to launch required materials in small packet form online. Here's the thing. If high-speed broadband is limited, you can deliver asynchronously through pre-produced video instructional content. Okay. But once again, you have to you have to supply the support for teachers to be able to do that. So you what know, do you uh, think? So let me ask you this. What do you think about what was happening in New York? They closed the schools. They reopened the schools. They closed the schools again. Um what, what do you what do you think of that model? It, I mean, does does is it a disservice to the students and the teachers and the administrators, or is it better than nothing that they at least they have an opportunity to go back into the classrooms at some point? 
I think is bad leadership because if you keep opening and closing, you'll never get to the end. And what's happened is people have re- are relying so much on the vaccines that they're thinking that's going to be the miracle cure. That's not and, it. And, and I, I certainly have no intentions of taking it for at least another two years. Right. Behavior is the miracle cure. Perry oh, uh, behavior. So, for instance, let let's say let's say I let's say I'm a uh, uh, a sexually uh, let's say I'm an oversexed person, and okay. let's just say I like to have sex. Okay, okay that's, that's me. Fine. That's, that's me. That's, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no, no pressure. pressure. No pressure. Yeah, yeah, but here's the, here's the thing: if you're a person who likes to have sex with multiple partners, the key is to protect yourself. Absolutely. See, see, see. see here's the thing: wear a condom, wear a mask. It's that simple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't get it. Okay. Well, we're going to close school for three weeks. Oh, we're going to open school back up. We're going to close school. We're going to open school back up. Doesn't work. Change the behavior. Shut things down for six to eight weeks. Shut things down for two to three months, and you'll see the difference. Yeah. Let's go to Tiffany. Tiffany, thank you for your call. Go right ahead. Hi. Thank you for having me, Perry. Oh, my pleasure. Um, I believe some of the students, um, yes, they may be left behind in terms of Mm education-wise because the responsibility pretty much rests on the parents, Mm -hmm. um, especially if the school district or um, the school is not doing their part in terms of um, technology and curriculum. And I totally honestly believe that our leadership and elected officials have failed us during this time, especially the children. Mm -hmm. Although this doesn't pretty much directly impact me um, because I really believe as well, it depends on the district, your area and things of that nature. So, um, And what your economic circumstances. I mean, it's one thing if you've got a four bedroom house, this works, you know, but if you live, I told you guys about that story about this one teacher saw that her student was in a room with four different people. Because they were contained to this one room, and there's a baby on the little boy's lap, and there's a mother sitting there, and there's a father sitting there. I mean, this is this it's horrible. Yes, yeah, it, it really is. And like I said, it doesn't directly impact me in um, a sense. I'm fortunate to be in a decent school district. Um, okay. So and. And it's just, and I'm a single parent, um, so it's just my son and I, and I do work from home. So okay. I'm able to um, oversee or be the helicopter parent as if he was in school, and um, he's in fifth grade now. But when we moved to this area in this district, they actually had um, Chromebooks in third grade. So the mm-hmm. district and the officials, they were on top of it. And when COVID hit, it's like we were pretty much prepared. The students were prepared because every student got a Chromebook. But see, but the Chicago public schools didn't do this. See, you know what? We have not been operating on excellence in the Chicago public schools because if 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 everything was love and fair and unicorns, we would have recognized that not a student in Chicago public schools should have not have been without a Chromebook or a laptop. That's a good point. You know what? Which, which, you know what? Which, which ladies? Which leads to my point of when this pandemic hit. Imagine if there were a company 
to run schools that was efficient as Amazon. Right. <laughs> Think about that. Right. Think about that. Because when I order something from Amazon, it's going to be delivered to my house. For the most part, it's going to be on time. If if I need to return the item, I can return it with no hassle. Right. I mean, everything is just a smooth transaction. And we did not have a smooth transaction in the United States of America in an educational system that had an amazing opportunity. We blew it. And like they say, when when uh, when white folks get a cold, black people get pneumonia and the flu. And, and COVID. We are, and, and we are, thank you, and we are seeing it now. All right. The, the name of the book is President Thug, Gerard McClendon. It's the author and my guest. Let's go to Anita. We're talking about uh, what's going to happen with our kids uh, during this pandemic and afterwards. What's the aftermath? Uh, go right ahead, Anita. How are you? Hey, Perry, can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Okay, um, I wanted to respond to a couple of things I held on because I wanted to make my little point. Okay. But you were, you were saying that uh, the kids won't sit in, in front of a computer for eight hours, but if they're playing that, those games or if they're on social media, they'll sit in front of the computer for 24 hours. That was the first point I wanted to make. And then, <laughs> for <laughs> and as then long I as we'll let them, right? Yep, you're right. Right. So I got grandkids, and uh, I decided to kind of pay a t- watch. I asked them to bring their computers, and so I could see how this in school, uh, how this online school thing was working out. So and how did you? What did you think? I, what what oh did you boy, think? I'm 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 highly highly disappointed. Oh um, wow! Yeah, I had to get the teacher's email because one student was uh, sending some uh, um, inappropriate. Uh, uh, text to my granddaughter uh, while they were in class, mind you. The oh teacher my didn't goodness. know because yeah, the teacher didn't know because she was teaching, and she brought it to my attention that the, she let me read it, and I'm like, oh my god. So anyway, we 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 settled that you know the teacher dealt with that right, but but some I'm probably gonna step on some toes right now, but I don't care because uh, as a grandmother, I pay attention. I'm a, I'm old school, and I believe that children should we learn our our timetables in fifth grade. Okay, so I my thing is these kids had problems way before this virus thing came up, and so now it's even worse what? because because my grandkids, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I got a high schooler, a eighth grader, and a, a ninth grader, uh-huh. and they don't know their timetables. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed. Really? Yeah, really. And I blame the school because my fifth grader, he can quote, he'll quote any timetable you want. And me at 65 years old, I can quote any timetable up to 10. Okay. I, I know them all. <laughs> no, really. I no, do. I, listen, we, I learned my timetables when we were in third grade. And I, and by the time I was in fifth grade, I could tell you every state and what every, its capital was. So I, I get it. They're not getting what anybody, they need. Anybody listening to me, check your child and see if they know their timetable. I was so shocked. So my That's a good barometer. That's a really good barometer. Yep. Thank you so much for that, Anita. I appreciate it. Let's go to Brother Raheem. Go ahead, Raheem. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Thanks for calling. I'm glad you're feeling better. Oh, thank you. you. But I couldn't agree more with your guest Uh as as well as the last caller. The thing is, this is we're living... Uh, in a capitalistic society. And this is what takes place in that capitalistic society. 
children aren't learning. I had a problem with my granddaughter just recently because she's in New York and she's calling somebody here in Chicago and they're transferring uh, sex conversations and they didn't find it out because of the school with the Zoom. But you, you, we're we're having problems and always have had these problems. But that's living in a capitalistic society where they care more about money than they do about the person. You know, this is not a shock to me that these kids are being exposed to all kinds of inappropriate language and uh, discussions online. What about you, uh, Gerard? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if you don't have the protocol in order to squelch and to filter your Zoom or GoTo meeting or your Microsoft Teams meeting in your classroom, uh-huh. if you don't, if you don't put, first of all, if you don't put uh, codes within your classrooms, you're going to be in trouble. The the second thing is if there's is sporadic behavior occurring behind any of your students uh-huh. when you're trying to teach a class that's going to cause a distraction as well you know whether it be a naked parent walking in the back because the house is small uh, whether it be someone who is doing other things like text sending text messages during the zoom call uh, not paying attention in class all of these things exacerbate the situation and and that causes it causes friction. It causes a lack of learning. And trauma. And it causes trauma. Because you guys would be traumatized if I was teaching your kids, because we all know that I'm always naked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's go to George. Let's go to George. George, thank you for your call. Go right ahead. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. I want to give you a feel-good story. Good. Uh, but, but first of all, obviously, uh, the chickens have come home to roost. The schools have failed them way before COVID. That's right. Even the parents have failed these kids before COVID. But here's the feel-good story. Um, My grandkids, we're all involved, the mother, my daughter, my wife. Mm -hmm. We have to be a union. Right. A unit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. my, My grandson, he's in first grade. He's reading, loves to read. Good. Uh, Just got his progress report. On Zoom, teacher says he's right on point. Good. Uh, now, fortunately, he goes to private school, so he's able to go to a building. Right. Okay. Uh, thus far, has been zero outbreaks. Uh, they had a lot of meetings before school even got started. That was the good part of it. Mm-hmm. My granddaughter, eighth grade, she's going to a charter school. She's at home learning. Got, got her progress report. Uh, all A's and one C, and that C was in R, and we all went ballistic on her. Oh, <laughs> still nervous right now. And that was about two weeks ago. Okay. But, but again, we need this union, and it can work. It can really work. Uh, my daughter went and bought her a desk, bought her a chair, a lamp, to make her room look like an office. Right. You, you follow me? Uh, she went and bought her a computer, I mean, a laptop. She was so excited to get one, you know, but those things is what has to take place. And all I'm saying is to everybody that's listening, it can be done. But collectively, we got to get off of our butts and help our family out. That's right. If daughters can't do it. Grandmama, 
you need to get up and do something. Yeah. You know, take an Uber to the house or bring them to your house. Yeah. Follow me. So I just wanted to say that it is. Yeah, that's a great come. story. It's, it's but really unfortunately, fun. unfortunately, a lot of black students on the south and west sides just don't have that support. Gerard, how do we get your book? Oh, it's on Amazon. President Thug is on Amazon <laughs> right now, and and we are breaking down, you know, Trump's trip to hell and Dante's Inferno with Virgil and with Dante, and basically I I, ca- I categorize all of Trump's sins throughout the last four years in the book President Thug. Oh, that sounds good. Thank you so much. Make sure you send me one, Gerard McClendon. Gerard McClendon is our guest.